Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And um, let's get to the Patreon shout out so we can get to our guests. We have a Patreon. It helps us eat food and it helps us streamline the operations of this podcast. Yeah. Wow. I, feel, I sound so corporate. But with your donation comes a shout out on the podcast where Young Me and I use our psychic abilities. Basically, we try to guess what kind of work you do or how you fuck. Or how much money you... Well, we started <laughs> off like trying to guess how people were in bed and then a lot of people were like, stop doing that. Right. And we were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, young man, are you ready for our first Patreon shout out? Yeah, I'm ready. Our first Patreon shout out goes to lawful adult level, Nathan Monzones. Nathan, I feel like I have this like... I, I thought you were going to uh, say you feel like you've had sex with this person. Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a situation where they're like leaving and I'm like, goodbye, buddy. <laughs> I don't <laughs> met you two hours a ago. As Nathan fun. is fumbling the lock on your door and just pressing everything incorrectly. And you're I just standing behind him for 30 goodbye, seconds. Goodbye. And then like three minutes later, it's like, uh, it's, is it locked? Is it unlocked? I'm like, oh, oh my God, please. Um. Yeah, see, see ya, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, like hit me up or whatever. <laughs> I don't have your phone number. Just I will, I will find you. <laughs> Sorry, I, I cut you off. No, I was going to say, I have like a, a weird thing about this the name Nathan. Because when I was in kindergarten, the first day of kindergarten, this kid named Nathan, the first ever Nathan I ever met, walked it walked in crying just sobbing so violently just like it, trauma trauma you know in the state of shock why are you laughing <laughs> and he just projectile vomited all over his desk oh and like for God. the rest of my life that's what i'm gonna think when i hear nathan <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sure this person's ex extremely attractive i don't know i'd still hit i'm not gonna lie <laughs> Nathan Monzonas, thank you so much for your Patreon donation. Uh, our second Patreon shout out goes to Chaotic Baby Level, Jonathan Visconti. You know, I said this last time, Jonathan is a sexy name. Visconti, even sexier. Really? I Wait. thought Jonathan Visconti sounds like a sleazy real estate broker in Manhattan to me. <laughs> Again with the real estate. Brian, you're always coming in with the, this sounds like a real estate agent <laughs> every single time. <laughs> what uh, is, is wrong with it's that? Probably, this is me being somewhat offensive. If it's even in the realm of this sounds Italian, I just assume they're a real estate. <laughs> that's and I just, so racist. <laughs> wait, wait, Brian, but those two names, I'm not, they don't sound Asian to me? Is that? Well, Nathan I guess, Monzona like, sounds Monzona. Filipino. Yeah, yeah, okay. Jonathan Ooh, Visconti. Huh. Does not sound Asian, but I still, he's a not non-Asian oh, real estate broker. Oh, That's my have, final answer. <laughs> some of us are Asian through the, the colonizers made it into our families. Like my dad. Oh. Wait, Michael's giving me. Oh, oh, oh that's our guest. Don't cut that out. <laughs> Which Michael little, is it gonna be? A little even? teaser. <laughs> he just gave me a thumb thumbs up. You know, he might have some colonizer in his family, so I'm gonna say they're both Asian for sure. Jonathan Visconti. And yeah. what's your guess about him, other than making Visconti? fun of me for saying that everyone is a real oh, estate agent? Mm -hmm. Jonathan Visconti. I'm just going with the hot. Maybe he's like half Italian, half Korean. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, if he's half, half Italian, half yeah. Korean, then you know, I, since, I, I I revise my guess, yeah. and now Jonathan Visconti is one of those hot Asians on TikTok with hundreds of thousands of followers. Brian Brian was racist against Italians, but I feel like if you got <laughs> some Italian in your Asian mix, that's just no matter what, you're hot. Come on, man. Those are the rules. It's science. You know what? Science. <laughs> All right, nice. Okay, our last Patreon shout out goes to Lawful Adult Level, 
Angelia Wang. Angelia? Yeah. Oh, that's such a that's such a like cool. Angelia, what's wrong with me? I'm just I'm just being a hater this episode. Angelia, it's real estate agent. No, I was gonna say I fu- I fucking hate names that are off by one letter. Oh, really? It's I like. like them. Are you either an Angela or Angelina? Pick one. Okay. Angelia Wang. Angelia is uh nothing's coming to me right now. Angelia for me sounds just hot, just chaotic and hot. She's an accountant for Procter and Gamble. <laughs> Every every week, Brian, this is your, this is what you say every week, and I'm like, I, I feel like, I feel like they're into BDSM. And Brian's like real estate. <laughs> every we're just we're not psychic. We just we're like projecting. You know what, Angelia Wang, accountant for Procter and Gamble, but she is very active on uh, FetLife, which is the BDSM dating life. Oh, app. how do you know about that, Brian? Thank you so much for donating to our Patreon. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Guys, if you would like to make a donation, you can do so at patreon.com slash feelingasian. Are you ready? Should we introduce our guest now? Yeah. I'm really excited for our guest this week because he's fucking hilarious. And he's also a writer for Late Night for Stephen Colbert. Yes. Ever heard of it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's an old dad joke that Brian brought back. Yes, that's extremely, that's our, that's our dream job collectively. We want to be one writer together for for Stephen Colbert. Colbert, And we have someone who has obtained our collective dream. I feel like if we fist fight him and win, they'll give us his job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everyone, please give your ears to Michael Cruz Kane. Woo! Let's go. <laughs> that is like people don't know that about, you know, the biz, but that is how I got my job. They, you have to do like um, they pick the most Asian person on staff and then you have to fight them to the death. And whoever wins, that person keeps the job. Yeah. Wow. No, I told you, Brian, I know about this. A lot. That's like how most comedy jobs work. Like a lot of people think it's like you have to spend years doing stand up or like take improv no. classes. It's really like, can yeah. you beat up the other Asian guy? How many people... Have, has Bowen Yang just fucking absolutely, absolutely taken to pound town? Absolutely wrecked. <laughs> Bowen Yang just fucking. Nobody, <laughs> nobody talks about it, and you think he's gonna come with like, some, but he comes just with a bat. It's just straight up the, a bat, like a sort of an all American weapon, <laughs> yeah. goes to town and books. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. That, now yeah. I know you don't want to reveal your secrets, but what is your weapon of choice, Michael? In a fight, I would say my weapon of choice would probably be running. Like it would be, it would be, it would be like either running or a, a cell phone to call for help. Those would be my two. You, you just ran away as fast as you could and the other Asian person got tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, you know what? I don't even fucking want this job. I don't want to chase that guy. He's not in shape, but he's so scared that he's very fast. <laughs> the adrenaline. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before we learn a little bit more about you, young me, how are you feeling? All right. So I have a feeling. <laughs> you have a very mischievous <laughs> grin I, on your face. I have been. Okay. I, I sent you that text. Can you show me that text? Because I want to read it. I think it's so. So we discuss how we feel on the podcast. Uh-huh. But I, I had like, sometimes I just have some thoughts. Okay. Some thoughts. Okay. So, so I feel like, uh, I wanna... for our listeners, young me sent me a text. It's a <laughs> screenshot. Using... And she captioned it. True friends share fuckboys. <laughs> I want to talk about this. Will we show me that? I have to read it for the fans. Oh. <laughs> Did I just send that to you for your own little private? <laughs> oh, I thought we had something special, but okay. <laughs> I want to read this because I thought it was so funny. 
So um, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm like messing. Do you know what? Do you do you know what a fuckboy is, Michael? You know, honestly, I don't. I, I think okay. it's like a dude that you hook up with that's like a, that like is lame. And so that's what I think that is. So I wanted to put in the definition because I heard somebody saying that it's slut shaming to call somebody a fuckboy, which is so off base. What it means, what the definition is, is like not a man that has a lot of sex. It means it could be anybody, first of all, and it's somebody that sort of manipulates you into believing that they want a relationship with you to use you for sex. Wow. That's but not at all. Part of the, oh, that I did part not of the th- that was not the definition I had in my head. Part of the manipulation, what I realized because I deal with a lot of them is that they actually want somebody to like be into them, but are not willing to be vulnerable enough to do that for the other person. That's interesting. It doesn't have anything to do with sleeping around. Because I think of that as just like what a man is. <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 if you listen carefully if you every woman so, that speaks about a man a in New man. York City is always prefaced with so this he's a fucking fuck boy his no, name but, is Dylan but you know that, that is true a lot of straight men I feel like they have uh, a lot of trauma that they haven't like processed and so they deal with it by sort of like manipulating other people and another important facet of a, a fuck boy is that I think that phrase is wrong. It should be a fuck person because it could be anybody. And I I see a lot of people that are not men doing it. So FPs is that (laughs) uh, what I realized, what I've come to realize is that they're not doing it to hurt you. They're doing it because they are hurt and they can't, they haven't processed Hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. That's what they say. The the way you do. Realize, (laughs) realize, realize. Exactly. Wow. So but I'm sorry, but the way you just described a fuck person. Mm -hmm. That sounds kind of sexy. Like, I want to fuck them. Yeah, they usually have a lot so of broken. tattoos. They're just so broken. They don't mean to hurt you, but they're just so broken. They have so tattoos, broken. like, right above the eyebrow or right under the eye. Oh, that's, Girl. that's not for me. Okay. That's not my style. Okay. <laughs> oh, you so, don't, so you, you don't, don't. do not want to have sex with Post Malone, Michael. Yeah, I think a face <laughs> tattoo for me immediately is like, I know that you won't like me. <laughs> is how I feel. I see the face tattoo, I'm like... I'm going to sit here because this is with an open seat, but I know you're not going to like me. <laughs> I feel like you just don't like them because, you know, they'll beat you in a fight. Oh, that's well, but that, no, that, I feel like about, they'll take your job. Like, that's right. I feel like about most people. But when I see like a face tattoo, I'm like, I shop sales at J. Crew. You know what I mean? Like we're not, we don't vibe, I don't think. <laughs> Anyway, so that I'm glad that you 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 didn't know the definition because I I like I feel like people don't know what that actually means. They think that it's a man that has a lot of sex or a right. person that has a lot of sex. You could definitely have sex with a lot of people all the time responsibly in a mature way, in a kind way. But I feel like this term is for people who are like sort of usy. Mm. You know what I mean? That's mm. so anyway. interesting. I, I really didn't know what it meant. And I just think it's such a funny sounding word. Like whoever coined it, like really nailed it. Like that is a it's very cringy. funny word. Yeah. I saw someone on Twitter. This is like, I don't know. I don't even know when this was, but just tweeted like Lena Dunham is such a fuck boy. And I was like, I don't even know what that sentence means, but it's so, it sounds so funny to me. Anyway, so I, I wanted to show this screenshot. I found out that me and my friend share a FP. I'm going to change it to fuck person. That's FP. Very progressive. Okay. And so I, te- so I t- we like joke about it a lot. And I texted my friend. I was like, I forget to inform you. Your boyfriend is texting me at 3 a.m. again. Mm. And then I texted <laughs> I'm coming to you as a woman. <laughs> I was like cracking myself up. And then my friend texted, 
our boyfriend. Oh my god. <laughs> I was just dying. This is just me making myself laugh. So I was like, LOL. How does that make you feel that you're sharing your fuck person boyfriend? I don't have feelings for this person because I I knew this was what this person was. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is fun and weird. And I also shout out to this FP for sending me the best nude I've ever received that really pulled me through quarantine, Whoa. everyone. March, Whoa. April, when shit was rough, I was looking at that picture. What 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 made the nude so good? Oh, I don't even. I'm assuming his dick is huge, but outside of that, what makes it no, hot? Surprise, surprise. There was no, there was no dick in the picture. I'm just, I, I can't even describe it because I'm afraid that this person's going <laughs> to listen. They're not going to listen to <laughs> He this. goes to a different school, man. He's going to listen to my podcast. <laughs> he has tattoos above his eyebrows. He's going to listen to my feeling how Asians feel podcast. This is, you, do you guys live like complete opposite lives from my life? Like, oh. they're, they're like, oh yeah, I met a fuckboy fuck with a tattoo over his eyelid who sent me a nude. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's, you might as well have grown up in like the few, like, I don't have, I, don't, I can't relate to that at all. You're like, those words are English, but I, just, I yeah. don't compute it fully. Also, for our listeners, I just want to say right before we started recording, I screamed through the door and told my son that we're recording. So please <laughs> let mommy, please, if you need mommy, knock on the door. <laughs> And then I was like, hi guys, you know what I'm feeling today? I'm just, I want to talk about this awesome news that I how, how old is your, how old is your son? He's six. Six. Six is a good, six is yeah. cute. Six is like a nice age for a kid. Yeah, he's adorable. <laughs> anyway, that was my story. How am I feeling? I'm feeling like I figured stuff out in my life. Fuck. That's a great feeling. Now I, uh, that's an amazing feeling. I just, I wanted to read that text mostly. I thought it was funny. I don't really have any feeling. I drank so much Red Bull. Brian, how are you feeling? This past week, I've had a really, I felt really, really down. Like severe, severe sadness because I felt extremely lonely. And I've talked about this before, but it got to a point where I just hit up one of my friends and I had to text vomit and call him and be like, I don't know what to do. I'm really fucking lonely. And I feel like a lot of the friendships that I've made doing comedy like feel like a farce because the lines are blurred between like professional and social. Is this a friend or is this like a professional acquaintance? I don't know. And I think with coronavirus, I realized that I don't have as many friends as I thought I did. And people, you know, are in different chapters of their lives. I have friends who are like getting married now. And I don't know. It's I've, It felt really nice that I was able to express these things like... Because before it would be feel really embarrassing to talk about how lonely I feel at times. And why is it so fucking hard to make friends as an adult? Yeah, it's so hard. Well, I just want to like... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Michael's so laughing hard. and I feel stupid Honestly, now. Honestly, I tell you, like, yeah. the feeling that I have hearing that is... And I barely know you, right? <laughs> Being honest. Yeah. We've hung out of shows a couple of times. But we're not like friends. Yeah. That made me love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like that kind of, because I do think it, like in comedy, but also just like in general, and this is not totally right. disassociated from what Yumi was talking about, about the trauma of the fuck boy, is that like, you're not really encouraged to be like, you know, what? actually I'm, I'm kind of feeling sad. Like I've been feeling like yeah. disconnected and sad. And I think especially now. A lot of people are feeling like so many people are feeling that way. But I was I was feeling really lonely. And then, um, 
you know, I was, I expressed this feeling to a couple of my friends and, uh, it made me feel a lot better. And mm. I think, wait, I, who are these friends? Like, are they comedy friends or what kind of friends are they? Um, they're friends that I've made in comedy, but oh, okay. it's all in my head though. I think I just have a lot of insecurity yeah. when it comes to this because I assume that like people don't want to hang out with me or I don't have add that much value or maybe I'm not that fun. Yeah. It doesn't have like it, it happens before. every once in a while. Like this insecurity or this feeling of loneliness and yeah. It happened this past week. I'm I'm on the men now and I feel much better, but that's um, so interesting that you would say I, that because I I mean again I <laughs> I'm I'm saying that I barely know you so much that it sounds like I'm trying to distance myself from you. <laughs> but <laughs> I just, that's... I don't know you at all. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't even want to do this podcast. You guys just set up a camera in my home and now here I am. But, but I think of you as like a, sh- like a shiny person. Like you're always like a person who looks like you've just been unwrapped. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like... That like a, is so you, Brian. Like, so like, like a shiny person. Well, no, but also like like new and like, like, um, like, a, like good vibes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like someone who, who's like, I like, I don't know that guy, but I, but like, I bet everybody likes him. It's like, feels like, it feels I bet like he has a bunch of friends. Yeah. So like for you to be like, well, I, I feel the opposite of that. It's very empowering for people like me who are, you know, trollish. <laughs> that, that's actually a really good point. I feel like when I see you, Brian, I'm like, yeah, Brian's so like hot and like, I bet he has so, so many shiny and, and new. He always looks like he just got out of the shower. You do. You look like, like you, Brian. You always look like you just yeah. came from a spa to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, the truth of the matter is I take a shower. I look at myself in the mirror before I step out of my apartment and be, ah, today's the day I'm finally going to make a new friend. <laughs> I mean, if you take a shower, if you take a shower every day, you're, that's what makes you like look clean to comedians. You know what I mean? Like if you've showered within a week, we're all like, oh my God, he's rich. What wow. the, this motherfucker looking he all shiny. hot water? <laughs> um, but well, yeah, that is a thing that I've thought is how, yeah. like why, like I feel like it's just so hard to make friends as an adult. Well, you know, And I can explain yeah. on my end that I've lived in so many disparate places that I don't have like a solid crew of childhood friends. And so it feels like I just have a lot of acquaintances. But I think a lot of dudes don't retain childhood friendships. And I don't, I, I'm not saying that women do that necessarily, but in my, in my experience, right. I, my wife, for yeah. example, a lot of like her best, best friends are still her childhood yeah. friends. And like my sister is still friends mm-hmm. with her childhood friends, but my brother yeah. and I, and a lot of the dudes I know are not like, I'm not in contact with anybody really that I knew before I went to college. Like I'm not into, like every right. once in a while, maybe. And right, then also right. you're a, like do a lot of, I don't know if you have like, if you have a day job too, but if you're doing stand up, like that's a very solo kind of a situation. Like, I feel like a lot of friends yeah. are made in yeah. whatever like communities you establish for yourself. So like I came up doing improv, right? So I have, yeah. I have friends like really close friends from that because like improv is such a team it's such thing. A team like a collaborative thing. It's also like you're doing thing, such yeah. like humiliating and terrible shit together <laughs> that like really forges you together. Whereas like- oh, right, man, right, I just right. missed doing improv. That's how, that's how deep into like quarantine I'm in. I missed doing improv just now. Yeah, that's one of the I stages. I missed improv. <laughs> it took nine months. Uh, Michael, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty, I feel really pretty good, but I'm a, you know, I'm a little uneasy. What with the state of the world, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we're in this weird place between the election and the inauguration where 
it's just like anything can happen. You know what I mean? So I'm just feeling yeah. in general on, yeah. worried about it. Like my, uh, my wife is an intensive care nurse and she works mostly with kids. Like she does pediatric intensive care. But when oh, the, wow. in March and April, when it was like really, really bad, they basically just took all those people and they were like, you're a COVID nurse now. So they moved everybody Ooh. over to COVID. <gasps> and I don't want that to have to happen again. And I am worried just like you open right. New York times.com or whatever, you know, news source you use. And the fricking charts are cuckoo. Bright, bananas. Breitbart. They are, yeah. Sorry. You're, I know that you're a huge, <laughs> I remember that about you. Big Breitbart right. fan. Young, <laughs> loves the proud boys. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who was sending you the nudes yeah. was Alex Jones, if I'm not mistaken. Imagine getting a, a nude from Alex Jones and being like, this is perfect. Like I think about the, um, the election and like this, like, you know, should we reach out to the other side? Should we steamroll them? And I'm like, we're going to come out there and we're <laughs> going to steamroll you with so much fucking healthcare and education. You're going to all, yeah. you're going to all live longer and be happier. And you're going to, you're going to have, there's nothing yeah. you can fucking do about it. And if you reach for your gun, I'm going to fucking run so fast <laughs> oh, and so scared gone. that you're going to, you're going to be winded and exhausted <laughs> <laughs> trying to catch up to me, buddy. <laughs> Um, Michael, I'm so excited that you could do this podcast for a number of reasons, but just to give some backstory to our listeners, when I first moved to New York, I did, I dabbled in improv a bit to, in my eyes, you were always like the guy in the improv scene in oh, New York. Oh, don't you dare. I remember you started doing stand up, and I always had known you as this incredibly talented improviser. And then when I saw your stand up, I was like, oh shit, he's just fucking funny across the board because your stand-up is hysterical. Well, I love and, this podcast. This is so great. But you recently tweeted something that uh, th that was that, that kind of plucked my my heartstrings. Is that a saying? It plucked my heartstrings? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and um, you wrote that it's never too old to start at a dream job. Uh -huh. And this was in reference to your recent hire at Late Night with Stephen Colbert. Yeah. And was that like an ironic tweet or is that sincere? No, I mean, it's, well, it's semi-sincere. I think at the end of that tweet, I said like, never too old asterisk. And then I said like, I'm almost 26, which is right. Um, not true, but <laughs> a lot of people true? on Twitter thought that it was true. And we're like, you fucking piece <laughs> of shit. I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm 30 and I don't have half the life that you have. And I'm like, if you only knew, bro, I'm 74 years old. Uh, but I do feel like obsessed with because I do stand up and I like started after everybody who's a contemporary of mine in stand up like mm -hmm. right like right. a lot of comedians I look up to are younger than mm -hmm. I am right mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so I am like very conscious of age and of being like like for my whole life until I got into comedy I was always the youngest person in everything like I had I was the mm. youngest kid in my class all the time. I was the youngest kid at the, yeah. you know, whatever other jobs I had. And so mm. I think I've always had this like thing in my mind of really trying to like project or not project, but, like hang on to youth, which I think is like a normal thing for people as they get older. Mm -hmm. But yeah, getting this, like, I think, like I spent the last, a long time working as a private tutor. Like my job was mm. basically teaching mostly people who were wealthy how to take standardized right. tests. I did that for a long mm -hmm. time. And it's yeah. a great job. 
And basically I liked it and it paid great. And like, I would be lucky if I had that job the rest of my life. So it was mm-hmm. a little bit of a risk to be like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to do improv like four nights a week and try and like weasel yeah. my way out of this very good situation that I already have into something mm. else. Because like, as much as I love the tutoring thing, it wasn't like what I dreamed of doing. Right. And it really was just, mm. a, I mean, for me, it was a lot about putting in a ton of time working on being funny and then like right. really being like, you know, I'm actually going to try really hard to do this. Cause another, like, I don't, I don't do I remember what the question was, but another defense mechanism that I've had my whole career quote unquote, as a comedian mm-hmm. is deliberately not trying so that when I didn't get the thing that I really wanted, mm-hmm. I could be like, well, you know, I mean, yeah. I wrote that packet that day. So how could I possibly, Ooh. how could I have gotten it? There, I was, I was yeah. never going to get it. I, I wrote it in two hours. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. It's yeah. a very well, like, like that too. improv is like the perfect place to incubate that mindset until you die. <laughs> to just be like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah, it was yeah, bad, yeah, but yeah. we just made it up. And so yeah. mm-hmm. I think like there are people who I know at UCB and elsewhere who like for them, it was like, I want to be an improviser. That's what I want to be. And for those people, it's mm-hmm. like fucking awesome because I could see that improv mm-hmm. is right. really mm-hmm. fun. And if you're good at it, it feels like an art form, but that wasn't right. what I ultimately wanted to do. And it did take a, right. a mental shift, which is honestly a lot of the women in my life, my wife and my manager and my sister being mm-hmm. like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, just do, if you want to do that, then you have to do it. And then yeah. finally doing it and being like, oh, I guess this actually can, this yeah. could happen if you, if. Like, That's did like you, the, yeah. well, but did you start doing comedy after you, like, were you already a father at that time? I mm. was, I started taking class at UCB before I had kids, but by the time yeah. I was on a Herald team, and this seems like an insane sentence now, I had, I, yeah. I already had kids. So like it, mm. yeah. it, it's, if anyone that I ever met in my life was, had a kid and was like, do you think yeah. I should go on Herald night at UCB? I'd be like, fucking mm-hmm. no way, no way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for our listeners, Herald night is like, it's a prestigious uh, improv team at the UCB theater. And, but like, I mean, it doesn't pay. I mean, it's yeah, just it pay, expo- it pays, it's a good exposure. It's right? the thing that has a, carries a, a lot of. It pays in laughs. Yeah, it pays in like affirmation. <laughs> it's like a, a, right. a thing. If you don't know what that is, it's a thing that carries like tremendous cachet in a very small community, and like right. it's sort of like it's like being on your high school's varsity football team, but. And everybody in the high school is like, oh my gosh, he's great at football. But if you, if you walk 10 steps off your high school, no one has ever heard of you. Right. And were there ever any moments while you were, you know, having these late nights or just doing improv or doing stand-up when you kind of assessed like, what am I, what am I doing? I think a, th- like, a, th- a thing that just flipped for me in terms of the young thing, sorry if I cut off your question, mm-hmm. but the, is like, I would start going to like things after shows and I would walk in the room and mm-hmm. I remember like the, like being like, oh, these are like all hot young people. I hate this. And I think that was like just a, a major shift in my mind from whatever the moment was to being like, oh, a room full of like, tw- like 25 year old male and female models who are also funny. Mm-hmm. This is amazing to being like, oh, this is a nightmare. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and I think like I've always been very concerned with this is, it goes back to the UCB thing, which maybe half your listeners don't even know what I'm talking about, but of like right. being the best kid in my high school. It's like a thing I always wanted mm-hmm. to be. And mm-hmm. f- 
taking my eye off of like what's outside of that. You know what I mean? Like what's like, what really do right. you want as opposed to what, like what, um, why do you want to be the alpha at this thing? Because right. you'll get that maybe mm. and you, and it won't be enough. Like, what do you yeah. actually want? Can I mm. ask you, cause I, I hear a lot of like parallels from like my life journey too. Mm-hmm. And it just reminds me like of my childhood as a child. Were you like a very gifted child? Uh, or like smart? I mean, yeah, kind of. I was like uh, smart in school, although I was a bad student, yeah. but I was also like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know, the star of all the plays and that kind of thing. So I, I right. was, I got along pretty well, although I also had like in the puberty times, there was, there were some rough years in the puberty. Like I right. had like, like plague, like acne. I had clear braces. Do you remember, do, do you guys even, I don't think anybody even does that. Like Invisalign? No, not like Invisalign. Or the, oh, oh the brace no. squares that are clear. The braces, yeah, yeah, the yeah, squares yeah. that are clear. I've seen that. Where it's like, you're like, people are like, you have braces, right? And you're like, how could you tell? I have, how, I, I'm surprised anyone can tell that I have these giant squares on my fucking teeth. Um, generally, I got yeah. along okay, well, but the puberty yeah. years were pretty brutal. And then another thing like that I was hearing, I could, I think that's like a super long conversation because I feel like that, fe- that fear of trying and then failing is something that happens to a lot of people who are gifted or smarter as kids because they're like everything that they do, they're just good at. And then they get to a certain point and then it's like, oh, they weren't good at something. And then they like it kind of shuts them down. And I feel like I sort of relate to that. I'm not saying that that's like what you're experiencing. But then also, I, I also relate to you because I started doing comedy older. I'm like 35 and I started when I was like 32, maybe. And um, I sort of, I don't know, it never bothered me in a way mm-hmm. because I just feel like I, in a lot of way, I, maybe just because I'm a woman, I think it was like helped me because I would come into these like places and then I was immediately not really a threat because Mm. even if I was like there's no real competition between me single mom 35 and then like a 22 year old hot like Mm. you know there's no there there maybe is because like you know like whatever I'm like attractive seeming or whatever but then they'd be like oh you're just like a divorce mom who gives a shit you know what I mean like we're not Mm. like my jokes have nothing to do with your jokes you know what I mean like yeah I think like right right I think a thing that I still I still have and maybe this is like tied into that young youth thing is that I have like a little when I'm scared I try to assimilate and like become like Mm. what I'm inside like what I'm with you know what I mean and Mm. so I think also that I've started to have whatever level of success I've had at the same time that like, there's a lot of like Instagram people who are like, whose Instagrams are like, Oh, you're like a fashionista, but it's like, Oh, actually that's a, that's a comedian. <laughs> like those people right. have, right, 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 right. Like, and some of those people like Joel Kim booster is like the hottest person who's alive. And also so fucking right. funny. <laughs> a lot of these people are like, yeah. Holy shit. And you're fuck you for also being funny. I think there's a part of me that's like, well, me, like I see someone like that and I'm like, you know, maybe if I worked out every day and it's like, well, no, that's that's wrong. (laughs) But it's like, that's not what comedy is. That's not what like, but I have to talk myself out of trying to be someone else a lot. I'm always having to be like, don't do, don't do that other thing because that worked for that. Like what makes people like 
Joel so funny is that they are like uh, tap into the uniqueness of themselves and put that out there. Yeah. And you're like, well, this, yeah. Yeah. no one else could say this because it's, this is, yeah. this right, is right. And there are a lot of like, right. yep. like that's Joel be an example of a comedian who I'm like, who's clearly younger than me, but who I'm like, <laughs> I watch him do stand up and I'm like, see, I, I want to do that. Or like, um, Right, this, right, right, this, right, this right, is an right. Asian podcast, so uh, this is maybe an obvious next step there. But we brought up Bowen too. Bowen's the same kind of thing. It's like Bowen yeah. is so funny. He's so yeah. funny. He's yeah. beautiful, and he's also like yeah. he's mm-hmm. like more than funny. Like you watch him right. on SNL, and you're like, yeah. I learned something about society very watching that bit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. That's a good point. Because sometimes he'll, he, like, he's such a smart writer, he'll say stuff and I'm like, whoa. Right. Also, he's really good at fucking fist fighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's the top I honestly feel like I totally. shouldn't talk about him too much because I think I did a podcast like a few months ago where I also made these same observations about Bowen. I'm just like obsessed with him. I, I think he's so great. Your career trajectory to me is so interesting because my parents call me, they care a lot about me and they'll say things like, when are you getting married? Blah, blah, blah. And like, as a person who is pursuing this incredibly risky, crazy, creative career, I've always in my brain, it's like a dichotomy where, okay, I'm this artist, I'm this creative. Therefore, I cannot have stability. That just won't happen. I have to give my 100% into this thing. And if I don't find a long-term partner, then fuck it. At least I'm devoting myself to this crazy thing. And you are, to me, you're like the antithesis. Like you're an embodiment of someone who, that's a farce. Like you can very much be a great father and have this stable home life while at the same time being like an incredibly talented creative uh, that's, and like pursuing this risky thing. I think that's super nice of you to say. And I think that is true in my case. I would say like two things that help me with that, that can be hard. One is that like not everybody has access to necessarily, which is one right. that my parents are not like rich, but we're straight. You know what I mean? Like they're like my dad's right. a doctor. So like, the idea right. of like, I'm not going to be able to eat really never mm. ha- happened to me. I mean, like in college mm. or after college, there'd be times where it's like, I'm eating ramen again, like instant ramen or whatever. But right. if, I, if like the shit ever hit the fan, I'd be like, dad, chuck, a, chuck a couple thousand bucks on that credit card for me so we can like keep it flowing. You know what I mean? So there's that. Right, right. And right. then after that, my stability job just paid like crazy well. So like mm. I could work a, a few hours in a week and be like, that's mm. now that's I've made the like the like mm-hmm. the, like I bought my apartment basically on tutoring money, right? So like mm. I'm paying my mortgage off of that, doing that a few hours a week, and then I was able to help my wife go to nursing school. So now she's got her own income. So now like we're pretty much afloat. So I do think right. I think it's mm-hmm. I mean, like the stupid observation at the end of that is it helps to have money. Mm. So like right, right. I think. There, I, what I guess what I'm not trying to say to you is that you are wrong, just that there's like elements of it that right. not everybody has access to, right? It's not like, but I, I do think that, like, you know, even just hanging out with uh friends, for instance, like, especially guys, you have this, there's this reluctance to enter like fatherhood because you think it marks like at the end of your life, it's like, oh, fuck, oh, yeah. once I have a kid, like, that's it, like, time to wrap it up, we're done here, boys. But like, you, you've you like are fully like a great dad, but you also 
obtained this crazy dream that so many other younger contemporaries are still like busting their ass trying to do. And I think that's fucking incredible. I think that that's very nice of you to say. I mean, I don't, I have no <laughs> idea how good of a dad I am, but I also like, I mean, like I kind of lucked out, like my kids are pretty chill. So like, and we have like the school <laughs> stuff happening. Like, so I'm, you know, working from home now all the time. And it's just like worked out so that my kids are in, you know, like they're remote schooling every day and mm-hmm. I can close my door and they can yeah. do their school and they're done. And then they, I you know, right. email the teachers, the teachers like, yeah, your kids are fucking crushing it. And it's like, well, this is great. I don't know how that, how yeah. that happened mm-hmm. like that, but that's amazing. Um, <laughs> and I think in terms of like being scared that my life was over when we were having kids, I was, I mean, I was scared of that. <laughs> like I wanted, yeah. I really right. wanted I really wanted to have kids right until it was like actually going to happen. And then I was like, Oh God, this is, mm-hmm. this is very scary. Maybe I actually don't want to mm-hmm. do this. And now, I mean, this is corny, but it's like, I would rather be with my kids than with any other people in the whole world. Like have the only thing I don't like about this, the job that I have now is that I was a stay at home dad this entire time. Like I was doing the tutoring thing over mm-hmm. zoom and I would just hang out with my kids all the time. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I like love them and they're, they're great. So it's been like, right. I've have lucked out in that department. We also like my sister lives very nearby and I have had, even when I was not in like a great comedy job, I had the financial mm-hmm. wherewithal to be like, if I want to go to do a show, I can just get, have a babysitter come over and watch my kids. And like right. UCB, right, like right. the comedy world has like yeah. a trillion people who are like, you, so you want to pay me to sit in your apartment while your kids are asleep? Um, yeah, I'll do that. I'll yeah. do that. <laughs> gotcha, true. gotcha. I, you know what I'm hearing a lot of right now? I, I'm hearing a lot of Brian complimenting you and then you being like, it's not me. It's my parents. It's not me. My kids are good. Which leads me to my next question. Uh-huh. Michael, how Asian are you? Ooh, how, that's, that's a great question. I think I'm genetically, genetically half, right? My mom is... Filipina with like, we're talking a little bit of Chinese in there, but I think like mm-hmm. in the world, basically nobody checks me as Asian. Like I, I have almost mm. never enter a situation where someone looks at me and goes, are you half Asian? Basically never. <laughs> like when I see Filipino people in any mm-hmm. place, if I'm like, you know, on a, on an airplane sitting next to a stranger and I think they're Filipino, I will, I'm always like, are you are you Filipino? And then they'll say yes because I'm never wrong. And then <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, I'm you know I'm Fil- I'm Filipino too. I'm I'm half Filipino. And they'll always be like, Are you? <laughs> They're not as excited <laughs> not as excited about it as I am. I like I yeah, like, want to be more Asian than I am. Uh, yeah. But mm. I don't I don't look at like whatever whatever people are like. These are the things that have been tough for me because I'm Asian. I've never had any of this shit. Like no one has ever looked at me and been like your coronavirus is because of you or whatever, like whatever the things are that are <laughs> happening in the world. That doesn't yeah. happen to me. I like a lot. I feel very connected to my mother's side of the family and I'm very proud of it, yeah. but I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't, I, this is a really rambly answer to your question. Was I supposed to give like a, like a six out of 10 no. would be my answer. <laughs> six out of 10? No, no, this is a good answer. Cause I feel like, well, I'm also half, um, half white and half, Korean and I feel like that your answer was literally exactly what it feels to be half Asian and half white just like a <laughs> just bunch of rambling, rambling. I don't know I really want to be but no one thinks I am and I and I say are you yes yes <laughs> that's literally what's going on in my brain but people too. must see you and like I would guess like most of the time yes. in New York recognize uh-huh. that you're Asian right 
people see me as only Asian. So a lot of a mm. lot of white people or people in America, period, don't even think that I'm partially white. So I get that a lot, which was a shock because, you know, before I moved to the States, I moved here when I was 20 years old and I lived in Korea. Oh. Korean people were like, I don't know what the fuck yeah, you are, but you're not Korean. Totally. <laughs> you know, like they're like, maybe they would be like, you're some sort of other Asian, maybe like they would think that I was like Thai or something because they're right. like, you're, you look Asian. Yeah, one of those, one of those mystery us. Asians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then here they were like, da, 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 da. Which I, keep do- I keep doing that. It's my new thing. When I like talk about myself, everyone's like, da, 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 da. and I was like, no, my dad's white. And they're like, no, he's not. And I was like, Unfortunately, he is. That's very funny. Yeah, like my you know? even yeah, yeah. my kids look more Asian than mm-hmm. I do. Everyone, like my brother, oh, my really? sister, oh. and my children. Is your wife white? My wife is white. Yeah. Well, this is the thing about being biracial. You you don't know where you're gonna fall on the thing, the spectrum. You could come out looking like you know, yeah, Pippi Longstocking. Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> you can come out looking like. My kids don't <laughs> look like they don't look like that. super duper Asian, but they both have like almond yeah. shaped eyes. And then right. for some like reason, they both have like my wife's like brownish hair, which I was I just uh-huh. thought that wasn't okay. how genetics worked. I thought like I thought my dark hair would dominate, but it just somehow it didn't. Right. It's right. weird. Like, do you teach your children like these Filipino values that you were kind of raised with? I do. Like, and how- I try and like expose them to that culture. And I'm also like very pro-Asian and kind of like a maybe a way that like the more I examine it is superficial and problematic. <laughs> but <laughs> any, anytime an Asian person does anything good in the world, I'm always like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like I'm watching basketball and it's, you know, I'm like, yeah. I, like when the Jeremy Lin thing happened, I can't even tell you how amped up I was about it or like um, oh, Hideki yeah. Matsui or Ichiro Suzuki or Yao Ming, any of that I'm shit. The- I'm the exact same. I was watching the final round of the Masters today. Found out some 22 Korean guy. Never heard of him. Yeah. But I know a lot about him now. <laughs> Sung J.M. Let's fucking go. Second place in the Masters. My new favorite golfer. That's exactly yeah. Let's right. fucking I go. I have like things, yeah. moments like that. I think a, a thing that like gives a good example of where I am on this spectrum of Asian-ness is that <laughs> Hideki Matsui was playing his first home game at Yankee Stadium. And I went into uh-huh. a Korean dry cleaner's to pick up my dry cleaning uh-huh. and they were watching the game, right? So he's Japanese, they're Korean. They were watching yeah. the right. game and I was already a huge, like I had a jersey and everything. I was already pumped for Matsui. Right. He's at the plate and in his first game at Yankee Stadium, he hits a grand slam. Whoa. All, these, nice. all the dudes in this dry cleaning place are going fucking ape shit. And I'm pumped too. I'm like, yeah. And the guy looks at me and he goes, <laughs> you see, Asian people can do it. And I wanted to be like, I don't know, I'm with you. We, we, that's us, bro. We did it. We, we did it. Yeah, exactly. We I'm like, it. I'm just like you. And there, there was no, I just, there was no. I just like imagining all these Asian people that you're interacting with. It was like, these whites, yeah, exactly. we want everything. This fucking white guy trying to take our shit. What are you talking about? Uh, but so I do like try and get my kids into Asian stuff. I like make chicken adobo for them. I tell them like stories about like so my mom's parents are dead. So and they were like Filipino. Like my mom has lived here most of her life and she's for mm-hmm. real Filipino. But like, you know, her parents like live there their whole lives. I try and like tell them about mm-hmm. them. My daughter's middle name is my mom's mom's first name. Um mm-hmm. But I don't know how much it'll catch. And there's also like a weird thing. Yeah. I want them to be proud of their heritage, but because they're also like, I'm half, they're a quarter. 
Right. Yeah. It would be weird for them publicly, I think, in most forums to be like, I'm Asian. You know what I mean? This is where I think being biracial and like or being multiracial is like complicated in America because there's no room for our existence. Whereas in other cultures and other countries recognize like, oh, you're like biracial. You have you're this and that. But in America, you're either like you know, this or you're yeah, like one And then now you're like, well, what do I, yeah. It's right, like, well, right. what do I look like? You know, like for me, I look like Asian. So I'm allowed to be like, she bear, like, <laughs> and you <laughs> right. look white. So they're right. like, please stop, sir. And like, people that. Are like, like, look like, at that. Look at that. Look at Brian. He looks very shiny. And I'm like, yeah. well, I am Korean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but like, it's a confusing existence for people that are like biracial or multiracial. And it's just like, there should be more openness and room. And we recently had a guest on here. Brittany Carney, who I don't know if she's yeah, a no, stand-up comedian. She's a quarter Japanese, but she identifies as Japanese. But, you know, she like looks very, you wouldn't know until she told you. Do you I think we both. She grew up in Japan. We both did a her, show, you know, um, Hapa Mag. Do you know what that is? Hapa Magazine? No. no. They have like a, Why wasn't I invited to that show? Oh, God, <laughs> down. Oh, um, how many Hapa comedians are there? Like three? I'm the only one you didn't invite. <laughs> Michael, this is a question that we like to ask all of our guests, and that is, what is something that you're proud of? Something that I'm proud of. I would guess like, probably the thing in my life that I'm the most proud of is, I mean, I don't have forever to answer this, right? Because this is a pod, this is like a podcast, right? So I have to say an answer. So I'll say a, a thing that I'm definitely very proud of is my wife being a nurse. That's the thing that I'm proud of. Like... Because oh my god, uh, again with the no, again with the other you, person. You, not with the others. Again, you. again, you're like my parents are rich, my kids are great, my wife is a nurse. You, no, no, Michael. you. Okay, this is no this more, is no more so Asian. Stop. You. No more I told hiding. you. I knew you were Asian. Okay, I think that I did that. I'm proud of is yes that um uh last year the, when Bowen got up to the cast of SNL. <laughs> Uh, I already want to stop you right now. <laughs> no, no, finish, finish your sentence. I tested for SNL in that time. That's like that cohort or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. get it. But it was the first audition I've been on in like a zillion years where I went in and I left and I was like, I was great. I crushed. Like everything that I, I mm. walked out of the room being like, if they don't pick me, that's because they mm. want something else, which is totally fine for them mm. to want. But I left the room being like, I did that. The thing that I meant to do, I did it. And then That's, I left. That is such a good, good thing to be proud of. And I feel like it's such an important thing to say because it's such an important life lesson. Right. You know what I mean? If you do something and you are happy with it, that is the fucking it, it really might be like, it, like the only time that I can say that professionally. Because most times when I've like been up for something like you know, I interview, I've interviewed for other writing jobs and not gotten them. And after the yeah. interview, like interviews over and I'm in like, I'm walking back to the subway or whatever. And I'm like, I fucked that up. Like I was nervous and I wasn't acting like myself yeah. and I yeah. wasn't funny when I had the opportunity to be or whatever. This right. like t testing for SNL was the first time that I like, went in and like, you know, like I feel my heart beating like out of my chest. I'm scared of my freaking right. mind. I got up there and I delivered exactly what I meant to do. And then I walked mm -hmm. off stage and I was like, well, that's, I can't do better than that. That's the best that I can possibly do. Um, that's awesome. And that felt 
great. Did you feel that way after your interview with Colbert? I felt, I would say I felt between the two things without getting too specific about the interview with Colbert, like everybody was crazy nice, but I do have a thing. And I think maybe you're picking up on it in this podcast where I am in some contexts, like addicted to being self-deprecating. So in, Mm. in, in interviews, a thing that happens a lot and it has happened at other writing jobs that I've had. And I tell myself before interviews, don't do this. And then I do it anyway is that I, people will be like, so just tell the the question, which you should obviously be prepared for is tell me about yourself. And then I just start shitting on myself for like 10 minutes. (laughs) I'm just like, I did this thing and it sucked. Like, don't look it up. And I did the, and this is terrible. I do do that. I do that. I've noticed I do that a lot too, because when I go on dates, like women will tell me and be like, why are you like shitting on yourself? I'm like, yeah. it's, it's comedy. Yeah. It's funny, right? You're laughing. I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I think there was, there but, was that element of it where, yeah. um, mm. but also. But then they were like, Stephen Colbert was like, we love that. <laughs> <laughs> Give us more of yeah, that. I want as many, I want yourself. as many betas in the room as I can possibly get. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was, but yeah, everybody just like in the call was like so crazy nice and like teed me up for right. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing comedy for long enough now. I think that there is a body of work out there and people who know me where if, if you know, they were like, I want to find out if Michael's good to work with. There are people mm-hmm. who I came up with who are respected enough that you could reach out to them and they would vouch for me. Mm-hmm. So I think I also have right. like that going for me. And there's definitely an element there of like, um, it should always be the funniest person who wins. And it's not always that. It's also like, well, we heard from so-and-so that you're a tremendous pain in the ass. And we heard that from four mm-hmm. people. So and I, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's how that worked in this situation, but I do think like having right. people who would vouch for you because you're generally not a nightmare is also key. So when you fi- finally found out that you got this job where, you know, you, you mentioned how in your comedy career, you made this conscious shift in your brain. You were like, you know what? No bullshit now. I'm going to be sincere. I'm going to give it my all. I'm not going to hide behind this like protective layer of irony to preserve my ego when you get the call and you're like, hey, you're gonna, you, we're going to formally offer you this job to write for Stephen Colbert, was there like a palpable joy you experienced or was it more like, this is nice. It's just, it's not like this crazy, like wahoo thing, you know? I think there are two things. There is for sure the joy. And like, that's the thing yeah. that I, both this thing and Seth Meyers, like the two things I'll remember most about those things, which are like the biggest, you know, things I've ever done comedy wise, is that after right. each one of them happened, like, with Seth, I walk off set and like my wife and kids are like sprinting towards and, and, me. And, and, like you did the you did a late night set, a stand up late night set on Seth Myers, right? And I get off yeah. stage and my wife and kids are like sprinting towards me, like give me hugs. And like for this thing, I'm on a Zoom and I open the uh-huh. door and my wife and kids are like at the door, being like, "Oh my god!" You know what I mean? So like, Aww. there's the joy of succeeding at something you've been trying so hard to do before, even though you've been self sabotaging forever. There's mm-hmm. the joy of bringing joy to people that you love who've been rooting for you. And there's mm-hmm. also like such a huge sense for me of relief of being like, okay, like I can get 
a job like this. Like if I were to stop doing comedy mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. I would be able to tell someone in 20 years that I was a TV writer for comedy. You know what I mean? And as, yeah. That, yeah. and that's like so such an arbitrary distinction and I, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be as important as it feels, but it is like, like my grandmother, I mean, my yeah. grandmother can watch the show now. You know what I mean? Like being able yeah. to, yeah. like, you know, my dad would drive me to soccer practice every day and being able to be like, Hey, thanks for like, now I'm telling like, you know, like, you know how you like swim laps at the YMCA? I told a joke about swimming laps at the YMCA and now it's on TV. Like that's you, like you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That sense yeah. of like, and this is my, I'm Asian and Jewish. So maybe like the cultural sense of like owing something to everybody before you is like mm-hmm. twinned up there. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. is like a sense of relief of like all the, all yeah. the love that you invested in me now, right. like you, you can go, you can go to your reunions and say that my son writes for Stephen Colbert. You know what I mean? And that really yeah. is, yeah. I, I don't want that to that's be as important a, yeah. as it is, but it feels like such a weight I mean, but off. That's, right. that's a very Asian thing. And you're saying it's a very Jewish thing, but also that's just how people are. Cause like, look about, look at like Wikipedia pages. You know what I mean? Like that's how, that's how humans like rate and value each other. Unfortunately, it's like, who am I? I am a writer for Stephen Colbert. Do you know what I mean? That's right. like what's in your yeah. like. And, and I think it is. And I think it's important to point out how you you said so yourself. It's just this arbitrary distinction because, you know, throughout this podcast, I've been very complimentary of you because I recognize how funny you are as a comedian. And you knew for yourself that you're like a hilarious comedian. And just to have this title attached to it is very validating. Like, do you have any advice for our listeners who who are pursuing something creative, but maybe they still haven't, they know they have the confidence, they believe in their work, but they still haven't obtained that, that recognition. I hesitate to give any advice to anyone because I feel like everyone's situation is so different. But the only thing that I would say that has always worked to my benefit is to try really hard, like to really try and to be like, because I think that's the thing. If I had tried, I don't know that I would have gotten this job you know, mm-hmm. when I started doing comedy, but I never, mm-hmm. ever tried. I really didn't. And like my wife, I would be like writing a packet for something. And my wife would like, I'd be like, my wife would take the kids out for a few hours. And I'd be like, yeah, I'll just write it in a few mm-hmm. hours. And it's like, I wasn't even trying to get that job. I, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. or like I got a new manager, like a couple, God, maybe two years ago now, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really what a lot of it was, her saying the things that my wife had been saying forever, but it was easier right. to hear from someone like in the biz of just like, yeah. you, like put together a thing for SNL and you could try, like you could maybe be on SNL. And I was like, what, what are you even talking about? Like, it just never mm, occurred yeah. to me that I could, I mean, I didn't get it. Right. <laughs> but the idea that like the thing that you imagine for yourself is possible, but no one is going to go, I bet you could be on SNL and then just put you on yeah. it. Like you're going to have to mm. go in there and hit home runs and you can't do that yeah. unless you're swinging at pitches. This metaphor has gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like, I think that you have, like you just really have to try. And there are a lot of people like that I know from like coming up through comedy who are the funniest people I've ever met that don't have yeah. a, like a neat little, you know, credit that they can put on that would like let the outside world know that. Right. And, and I think if, if you're happy to be, to just be great at it, I think that's also fine. If like, but if what you want is to make a career out of it, 
then I think you really like you have to like just try as hard as you can. And that's advice that like I have to like you sort of said, uh, Brian, that I like have made like I sort of made the switch, but I haven't really. It's more like I'm Mm. aware that 20 percent isn't going to get me the thing that I want and that like Mm. I have to like I go into this show where I work now and every day there are people out like there are people in these in this room everybody in the room who like it's time to pitch jokes and they're pitching these jokes. And I'm like, Oh my God, how are all these jokes so funny? What are you doing? And Mm -hmm. my instinct is to be like, let me try and copy what they do. And I have to tell myself every day to be like, Oh no, do what like you do. What do you do? Like, what can this, how can you help these people do something Mm -hmm. new? But I'm scared to try. I'm scared to like, pitch a joke that's not going to, that people aren't going to laugh at. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's petrifying. And I think that like, yeah. just like give it a shot. And most of the time when I do try, it goes pretty well, but I have definitely eaten mm-hmm. shit. I have for sure pitched stuff that has been like, whoops, nobody, nobody laughed right. at that. <laughs> right, right, right. <sighs> wow. All wow. right. So moral of the story, young me, is that I have to just, I think I'm going to try in earnest to be even shinier. <laughs> That's, 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 that's the thing you're trying to be, right? You're trying to become a bona fide light bulb. So, yeah. <laughs> I can't even look at you. I was giving it my 20%, and you noticed, but I want that title next to my name of bona fide light bulb. Ah. <laughs> you gotta put that that's dimmer switch the all the way up. <laughs> Oh, all right. Man. Well, that was like great advice. It was nice to hear all of that. Um, are you a, what, what's your astrological sign? Uh, I am a Virgo on the cusp of Libra, I think, but I don't really know. I think like Virgos are supposed to be really organized. And or you, something. you were Earth sign. Yeah. Earth. I don't know. I don't know how that I don't works. know anything about astrology. All right. I was gonna, I was going to be like Earth sign, Air sign, right on the cusp. <laughs> now you've lost all respect for me. It's time for me to go. You're like this. Oh, is one of these people. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> one of these. One of these psychos. All right. Not at all. Not at all. Totally wonderful. That's our time for today. <laughs> Um, Michael, I just want to thank you again for joining us on the podcast and for our listeners, where can they find you or, and your work? Um, uh, you can, I'm on Twitter at Cruz Kane, C-R-U-Z-K-Y-N-E. And also Instagram, mm-hmm. I guess is where you can find me. And then you could watch the late show with Stephen Colbert, which I think is a pretty good show and I'm proud of it. And I like working there. Awesome. And what about you, young me? Why am mayor at Twitter? And Instagram. How about you, Brian? You guys can find me on socials at it's Brian Park. And you can follow our podcast page at Feeling Asian Podcast. And if you're looking for an amazing sound engineer, please hit up Sarah Pack at I am underscore P-A-K-T. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash feeling Asian. If you want us to roast you <laughs> on Maine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. That's it. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.